And now, it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Hello everyone and welcome again to Witness Radio, the only show that doesn't care about ratings. Why you ask? Because the sole purpose of this show is to save souls. On purpose. I'm your host Ryan Muniak and I created this show as a way to step out of my comfort zone and share my faith with others. So I put a microphone between me and another person and I start sharing the gospel with them. By listening to the show you'll find out that I use biblical evangelism methods. I share the law of God before I share the grace of God. And that's the biblical method. That's the way that Jesus did it. That's the way the apostles did it. And that's the way you and I should do it. You can find out more about Witness Radio by going to our website, witnesstalkradio.org, or you can find us on Facebook. I want to give a big shout out to Mothers Everywhere today because today is Mother's Day. Thank you so much for allowing us to be born and for taking good care of us throughout our lives. I know my mom had her hands full and I'm sure many other mothers did as well. And a quick quote from John MacArthur, To be a mother is by no means second class. Men may have the authority in the home, but the women have the influence. The mother, more than the father, is the one who molds and shapes those little lives from day one. And that is so true. Thank you again, mothers everywhere. Ratings. We don't need no stupid ratings. You're listening to Witness Radio with Ryan Muriak. <coughs> but we like Ryan. <coughs> we do! Just go to witnesstalkradio.org. Today we're talking with Matthew, a student at the University of Cincinnati, who I found sharing his faith. I I know, it's amazing, it's jaw-dropping, but wait, there's more. You see, Matthew is part of the Disciples on Campus ministry, which is a ministry planted by the Church of Christ denomination. And if you know anything about the Church of Christ, you know that their theology isn't the greatest when it comes to salvation. You see, they believe that you need to be baptized in order to be saved. And that's exactly what Matthew was trying to tell me. And... I talked with him and told him otherwise, and we're, well, let, let's get into it, and I'm, I'm going to share with you uh, some scriptures and other things on, on why baptismal regeneration or being baptized to be saved is not biblical, is not correct. Being baptized to be saved is not a correct interpretation of the Bible. So, what's your name? Uh, Matthew Buxton. Okay, Matthew, I'm Ryan. So, uh... What is it that you were just doing? I, I saw you talking to a guy. What were you doing? Yeah, um, I'm part of a group on um, called Disciples on Campus, but mo- most importantly, just with through my Christian faith, uh, um, it's, it's called evangelism. Just stopping people and asking them, you know, where their like relationship with God is, and seeing if they're maybe interested in you know growing in their relationship with God. Okay, so uh, say I'm 
uh, someone just walking by and you you want to do do evangelism with me, go for it. Right. I, I'm an open book here, okay? okay. Hey, uh, my name is Matt. I'm part of this group called Disciples on Campus, and we're just going around just um, asking people about their relationship with God, if they have one, and if they're interested in maybe growing more and learning more about their relationship with God. Okay. Well, uh, we'll say uh, my name is Ryan, and uh, we'll say I have no belief in God whatsoever. I'm, I'm an atheist. Yes. Well, um, would you ever be interested in maybe sitting down and learning more about the Bible, maybe learning more about God? We offer these things called personal Bible studies, individual Bible studies, be like one-on-one, -on -one where we can really um, we teach people about the Bible and teach them, you know, what what you know, higher power and just all that different kind of stuff. So, so uh, I'm an atheist. That means I, I I believe that there is no God. So why why do you keep talking about this imaginary person? That, that I don't believe in. Well, what do you believe in then? Uh, I, I believe in evolution and, and in myself and being being a good person. All right, well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty convinced, like, just through my faith and just seeing, just seeing God work. I, I mean, that that's how, that's why I believe in God. And, you know, I, I, I don't just go around just believing in something that, you know, I don't think is real. Like, I, I mean, I believe in it because, you know, I, I've seen him work. I've seen, you know, just through, through, like, my parents and through just different things in my life, just really working. So, I mean, I don't know if you're ever interested in learning, I can teach you. I could try and, you know, teach you about it or maybe just go through apologetics, which is defending your faith and just, you know, why I believe in a God and why I believe in Christianity. Well, so. yeah. Why, why don't you prove to me right now that, that there is a God since I'm an atheist? I mean, I don't, I don't believe that anyone can just prove that there's a God. A lot of people like are expecting like this A plus B equals God. Like, and I, I can't give you this A plus B equals God, but, you know, I can give you evidence about God. Okay, what kind of evidence? Well, just archaeological, archi, how do you say that word? Arche archaeological. Archaeological evidence, just um, through uh, just through different events. Like um, I know there was uh, in the Bible um, in First Kings, I believe it's um, Hezekiah's tunnel, and Hezekiah, this king, he digs this tunnel, and you know the tunnel's actually there. And you know different stuff in the Old Testament is, is actually there, and that that's one part of it. This archaeological, archi archaeological I'm sorry I can't say it but um also just like just with this scientific evidence just like how just how like perfect this universe is just how perfect you know the world is right now and if it was just like like you know just just like you know shifted just a little bit just shifted like one degree or shifted like just anything just shifted it, it would just be completely it just wouldn't work it just wouldn't and I I don't I don't think that can just happen by chance it's like one in like like billions of chances and I, I don't think that can just happen by chance it just, I think there's got to be a creator there. There's got to be something that created this creation. Like, you can't have a creation without a creator. I don't think it can just come out of chance. That's what I would say. What about aliens? Could, couldn't aliens have created us? Like, the flying spaghetti monster? I don't know about the flying spaghetti monster, but, I mean, hey, it's what you believe. I mean, I, I don't believe it, and, I, I mean, it, I, I think it just makes sense. They're just these... Just, I don't know, just the universe just being perfect, and just, I don't think that could be done without a, you know, creator. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know much about aliens. I don't, I haven't studied that or anything, but, you know, I'm not sure. So, why, why should I believe in a God? Why should I be, uh, you're, you're a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Why should I be a Christian? Well, I mean, I, I think being a Christian is great. I mean, being a Christian is awesome. And, you know, just through the Bible, just seeing uh, what God has done for us, just seeing, um, 
through through him sending his son Jesus as a sacrifice, just really saving us from our sins, and really, uh, I mean, to be a Christian is basically through salvation, so that eventually you don't go to you know hell or go to you know through eternity of um, just just bad, just not good, you know, you know what I'm saying? So you sound pretty shaky on what happens uh, if we if we're not Christians. Yeah. What's this uh, hell business all about? Well, hell is where you basically where you go. It basically hell is the absence of God. Hell is you know, and where Satan you know resides, where he where he's there, and it's basically you know if God you know sent His Son, and you know God gives everyone a chance you know to follow Him or to not, and if you don't, it's just you don't you don't make it. You go to this hell. And I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I've never been there, so I don't know much about it, and I don't know what's in there, but I just know it's not a good place because God's not there. Okay. So is it, uh, would you say hell is uh, like a lake of fire, like everybody makes it out to be? I, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I've never been there. So, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to say it's something if I don't really know what it is. So I just know it's not a place to be. Okay. So how do I end up going to hell what, what what happens to get me to go to hell like what, what do you mean it, like not going to heaven what you know the whole Jesus I got to do the whole Jesus thing to go to heaven yeah. how do I go to hell like why, why would I why should I go to hell like what like why why do you want to go like what do you mean like why do you want to go to hell or like right like what's the purpose of hell it the purpose of hell is just the, the absence of God just you know not um not being in that you know relationship like when you're not in that relationship with God you go to hell and that's basically God's punishment for the world and the sins of this world that's what hell is for what is sin what is sin sin is anything it um sin um <laughs> uh there's a, the greek word it's um oh gosh um hamarita or hamarita is the Greek word, and it basically they used the archers used it um, back in the back in the days when the Bible was written, and they used it. And when you miss the target, you miss the mark. It was called a sin. So it was called sin. Okay. So basically missing the mark, doing anything that's you know against your conscience or anything that's unholy and unjust. So that's sin. So do you have any like examples uh, of what a sin would be? Yeah. Um, Galatians 5:19, a scripture talks about. Um, uh, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. There's uh, sexual immorality, so I would say sex outside of marriage, um, impurity, any type of, you know, looking at pornography or masturbation or any, any of that type of sin, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, uh, the Ten Commandments, just anything any, anything that's just unrighteous or unholy. I mean, uh, do, do you need any more, like, examples? No, that's pretty good. So um, if someone wants to become a Christian... What, what, what do they do at that point? Okay, well, um, to be a Christian, you have to first hear the message. And then once you hear the message, you have to understand the message. And um, in Acts 2.38, or Acts 2.36, um, um, Paul, or Peter, is talking to um, just the group, this huge group at Pentecost, telling them that, hey, you sacrificed, you know, you sacrificed Jesus on the cross. And they're like, well, what do we need to do? And then in Acts 38, he says, repent, Acts 2:38, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. So, 
you know, you believe the mess, you hear the message, you have to believe the message, then you repent, understand your sin, repent of your sin, and then be baptized and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that kind of breaks the wall, and then you enter from darkness to light. So is baptism uh, required for salvation? I believe it is, based on the scriptures. If you're following the Bible and you're reading the Bible, Acts 2.38, I feel like it's pretty clear, just talking about baptism, why baptism is is what's right for the um, for salvation okay so we have to uh, you said we have to repent what does repent mean repent is um it's a 180 180 degree turn from sin um, there's a scripture in 2nd Corinthians 7 um, I think verses 8 and it's talking about um, just what it means to repent and having this godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. You know, godly, worldly sorrow is say like, say like you get pulled over and you're just like, crap, I got caught. You, you, you like feel bad because you got caught. Worldly sorrow is like, wow, you know, I, I'm, I was wrong. You know, I was speeding. I shouldn't have been speeding. And that's kind of the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. And worldly sorrow or godly sorrow leads to repentance and just having a worldly sorrow whenever you sin. So, you know, having this, you know, alarm that, wow, I've sinned, you know, I need to change. And kind of, you know, changing your life, but also like changing your mind. Just like, okay, I don't want to sin anymore. That's repentance. It's like 180 turn. It's like, you know, going through sin and then completely turning around and going towards Jesus. Okay. So, uh, we've been talking for about 10 minutes now, yeah. and I've totally forgotten your name. <laughs> Matthew. Matthew, I'm sorry about that, Matthew. So, I'm Ryan, okay. and, uh, I actually do a radio show called Witness Radio, okay. um, where I hang out on the campus here and I witness to people, evangelize to them, uh, you know, right. and share my faith. And uh, so I, I wanted to come over here and see, see what other people are saying on the campus. Um, now, uh, there, there were a couple of things there where, where you sounded shaky. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for, first and foremost, I want to encourage you to get into your word, man. Get into the Bible. Yeah, you know, study that thing. Absolutely, it's God. It's God's word. You know, we gotta we gotta study to show ourselves approved, as the Bible says. So, next thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, you guys are. I, I think you guys are doing a, a great thing out here. You know, sharing your faith. Mm -hmm. You know, obeying the Great Commission to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Yep. That's wonderful. But I, I do want to encourage you guys to. Uh, make sure that your theology is correct uh you know there were a couple of, like i said there were a couple of things in there you were shaky on a couple of things that i i don't think with a uh full study of scripture uh you, there were a couple of things that might you might change your mind on okay. um like what uh well for example the uh baptism thing um baptism uh if you study out the scriptures, it's not that it's required for salvation. More, it's a evidence uh, or a proclamation that you've been saved. Uh, okay. it, it's an outward sign of what has happened inward. You know, um, Christ uh, washed my sins away and made me clean. You know, that's where the baptism comes from is being dunked under the water and brought back up it, it's like it's supposed to be a sign of your salvation so what, what is what is the point of salvation then where do you uh where do you find the line where do you like okay now i'm I, where do you go from light or where do you go from darkness to light where, where where's that where, where do you believe that uh that mark is what what defines your 
uh, transformation from darkness to light? Well, you know, it's, it, I wouldn't say it's a, a, a clear sign to everybody, okay. but it's a clear sign to everybody that it happens to. You know, it, um, God regenerates our heart. You know, it says that he makes us a new creation in Christ. Yep. You know, that happens with within us. So, you know, those who, who repent and put their trust in Jesus, they, they become saved. You know, God changes their heart. Now, the baptism just is an outward sign to others what has happened inwardly, that change of heart. Are you tired of just sitting there listening to the gospel being shared and want to do your part to fulfill the Great Commission? Then stand up and step out of your comfort zone by joining us at these upcoming outreaches. Abortion Prevention. Every Monday from noon to 2, we will be at the Planned Parenthood on Auburn Avenue. Christian Collegiate Network Bible Fellowship Thursdays starting at 1230 on the UC campus. Ohio Fire, May 30th through the 31st. Join us at this free conference. Speakers include Mark Spence and Carl Kirby Jr. For more information, find us on Facebook or visit witnesstalkradio.org. All right, so Matthew says that Acts 2.38 is very clear and says we need to be baptized in order to be saved. Well, what does Acts 2.38 actually say? I'm going to read from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so... The initial reading, I can see why someone would say, well, it says repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. But upon closer investigation and examination, you'll see that that's not what it means. For example, if you think back to your uh, grade school days when you were in English class or grammar class, they talked about something called non-restrictive clause or a non-restrictive phrase. Non-restrictive clauses and phrases are modifiers that can be omitted without changing the meaning of the main clause. Now, with scripture, we know that the original text did not have any commas or anything like that. Uh, it was, they didn't have that back then. Some translations will put commas in different places. For example, uh, in the King James, they will put a comma after the word repent. Whereas in the English Standard, there is no comma after the word repent. Does that mean that the English Standard Version is not a good translation? No, that's not what that means. That just means that the translators who did the English Standard decided not to put the comma, and those who did the King James decided to put a comma. Um, again, the, the comma itself was not in the original manuscripts, the original writings. They didn't have commas back then. But, if we read it, as the, the non-restrictive clause rule states, 
then it would say, repent, comma, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, comma, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now again, according to dailygrammar.com, lesson 364, you'll see that non-restrictive clauses and phrases are modifiers that can be omitted or taken out without changing the meaning of the main clause. So let's go back. Repent is the main clause. So remember I said repent, comma. So everything after that until the next comma, you can, you should be able to take out and the sentence not be, the, the main clause, the main purpose of the sentence will not be changed. So let's take out the comma areas. Okay, so repent and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's put it back in. Repent, comma, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, comma, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, grammatically speaking, it's a second thought, or a sub-thought, within the original thought, within the original sentence. What Peter was trying to get across here is that people need to repent. They need to turn away from their sins, and they'll be saved. They'll receive the Holy Spirit. Let's see what some other scripture verses talk about. Acts 1.5 says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, this implies that there is another baptism. What about Mark 1.8? This is John the Baptist talking. He says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He there is He's talking about Jesus. John and Jesus agree with one another. There are at least two kinds of baptism. There's a, a baptism with water and a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we go into this a little bit more, you'll see that the baptism of the water is a baptism of repentance. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism by fire. Uh, let's go to Matthew 3.11. Again, this is John talking. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So again, we see here multiple types of baptism. Okay, now let's go to Acts 11:16. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, Acts 2.38, is that talking about a water baptism? Is that talking about the Holy Spirit baptism? Again, you got to remember that grammar lesson about the non-restrictive phrase where you can take the baptism part out and it talks about repent. And then uh, it says repent and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. You know, here's another example of that non-restrictive clause or non-restrictive phrase. Uh, go to Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the uh, Philippian jailer. And uh, he's talking to Paul and Silas. And they say, or they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. The key 
section there is believe in the Lord Jesus, comma, and you will be saved, comma, you and your household. So now let's take out the comma area, or the non-restrictive phrase, which is, and you will be saved. And we'll read it. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household. So now, if you were to read that without commas, you would think that uh, just by this jailer believing in the Lord Jesus, that he would be saved and his household would be saved because he believed. But if you take out that non-restrictive phrase, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household. It's not saying that because he believed, his household will be saved. It's saying that they all need to believe and they'll be saved. All right, so here's another verse that talks about the baptism of repentance. You got uh, Acts 19.4, Mark 1.4. Acts 19.4 says, And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. So now let's look at a couple of verses that really discredit baptism being required for salvation. Mark 16.16, if they were to take just the first part of this verse, it would totally go for them. But the problem is it's got a, a second part. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So question for the baptismal regenerationists, what happens if you believe, but you're not baptized? Because this says whoever does not believe will be condemned. But what about those who just aren't baptized? Are, are they condemned or will they not be saved because they've just believed? If they're not going to be saved and they're not going to be condemned, where do they go? What happens to them? Now, granted, that doesn't put a nail in the coffin, so to speak, but it definitely will get them thinking about their belief in must be baptized to be saved. Okay, now let's go to another one. Uh, Acts 10, uh, starting at the very end of 46. I don't know why they broke up the verse this way, but uh, at the end of uh, 1046, it says, Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Gift of the Holy Spirit. You have to be saved in order to have the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. So these people have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have, just as the apostles have. But they haven't been baptized. So right there we see that people received the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. Listen this quote from the Evidence Bible. While we should preach that all men are commanded to repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38, adding any other requirement to salvation by grace becomes works in disguise. Even though numerous scriptures speak of the importance of water baptism, it is important. Adding anything to the work of the cross demeans the sacrifice of the Savior. It implies that his finished work wasn't finished or wasn't enough. But the Bible makes clear that we are saved by grace and grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Baptism is simply a step of obedience to the Lord following our repentance and confession of sin. Our obedience, water baptism, prayer, good works, fellowship, witnessing, etc. Issues from our faith in Christ. 
Salvation is not what we do, but who we have. He that has the Son has life. 1 John 5.12 Let's go to the School of Biblical Evangelism. What does that have to say? Uh, in Lesson 47, it says, Water baptism is merely an outward expression of an inward change. Baptism is a humbling act of obedience that follows salvation. By no means does it make a person a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes a person an automobile. You know, let's go to Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 42. And this is one of the criminals hanging on a cross next to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This thief on the cross wasn't baptized, so how could he go to heaven? How could he be in paradise with Jesus? Don't you have to be baptized to be saved? No, you don't. And that's what the Bible teaches. It is faith alone in Jesus Christ alone by which you must be saved. You need to repent, turn away from your sins, and put your trust in Jesus. Now, baptism is something that you are commanded to do after you're saved. It should be the first thing you want to do. Like I said earlier, an outward sign of what has happened inwardly. God transformed your heart. You were dead to yourself and made alive again through Christ, in Christ. And that is, it's much like circumcision in the Old Testament. It was a covenant sign. And being baptized is a covenant sign to others that you have been saved. Mm -hmm.